0: So this is pretty exciting. This is the first ever episode of Without Compromise. And we thought it'd be appropriate to start here at Athletic Brewing and interview our founder, Bill Schufeld, about his story of coming up with the idea of great tasting non-alcoholic craft beer and what his experience has been like growing it from there. Because when you're ever pursuing a crazy idea that is so far out of the realm of possibility in so many people's minds, it takes doing everything completely without compromise. And Bill's story is incredibly inspirational. It's obviously ongoing. This by no means is years and years and years ago. Everything in the story is fairly recent or still happening. It's just an exciting story of taking a risk, taking a step of faith, and being confident every step of the way. So I hope you enjoy Bill's story, and I hope you enjoy getting a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look here at Athletic Brewing Company. Bill, welcome to, well, to your show.
1: Mason, it's <laughs> awesome to have you on the East Coast. I mean, a uh, long-time adventure sports podcast fan, and uh, really fun to be filming a podcast at the brewery. It's incredible. So excited. Well, I, I, as I say, cheers to that. You yeah, we got up. a
0: couple beers here. Yep, I got the hometown harvest, and you got the run wild.
1: Yeah, for anyone who doesn't know our beers, uh, I'm drinking our classic beer, the Run Wild. It's a West Coast super sessional IPA, certified organic, all organic grains, um, five different Northwest hops. Um, do you know about that beer you're drinking, the hometown harvest? It's a new one.
0: I know that it's you know the ingredients are are locally sourced.
1: Yeah, so everything in the can's grown in Connecticut. One of Connecticut's oldest farms was, or it's actually the oldest operating farm in the U.S., was a tobacco farm uh, called Thrall Family Malts. They recently became a maltster and make really good malt for craft beer companies in Connecticut. And wow. then all the hops are from Pioneer Hops in the Connecticut Valley. So that's, really. a,
0: that's the oldest farm in America?
1: Yeah, so it's continuously operating. And now, because the Connecticut craft beer scene is so strong, they've switched over to fully making malt. Wow. Yeah, and John's uh, made it. It's like a fall harvest celebration type IPA um and so yeah that's one of john's latest creations in your hand
0: it's beautiful well cheers cheers i won't make us hit it or we'll probably knock something off the desks Yeah, You know, we hear from a lot of people, you know, I and if you don't know me, I run uh, the ambassador program and I get to talk to a lot of the ambassadors who are obviously huge fans and one of the requests they have is, you know, they want to hear your story and kind of, you know, how this idea came about because it's obviously a pretty unique idea to start a brewery. For non-alcoholic a, a craft brewery for for non-alcoholic beer and also to market it towards and to really push an athletic and healthy lifestyle that's you know usually it's weird how connected that is in today's society beer and in and, and health but it's also obviously works completely against each other because beer obviously isn't healthy for an athlete you know so people want to know how did that connection happen yeah
1: the whole company is almost an oxymoron I guess it's (laughs) I think kind of crazy things is why a lot of people doubted John and I to start and then why I think why it resonates so much with people um but really what you said it's all about our community um and really it's In starting the company on the foundational level, uh, John and I's whole goal was to positively impact the lives of our community, both through health and fitness and the environment they're in. To take a step back and like, yes, where we're coming from and like where step one was. I was a craft beer lover at heart. Uh, I'd gone to college in Vermont, loved craft beer, was really fortunate to have like four really early pioneers of the craft movement within like 20 miles of my college. And uh, then I moved to New York City, kind of took a default path uh, to finance and it was super stable, easy life. But really there wasn't any real fulfillment in that. It was just a stable job and like kind of on autopilot. About to turn 30 years old, I was about to get married. Um, Like anyone at that age, starting to take their job more seriously. It was really like a six day a week job where I was Kind of on the clock, 24 hours a day, responsible for international markets. And at the same time, my wife is an incredible gardener and a chef. And like we're eating organic food and monitoring everything going into our bodies. I was taking my health and fitness much more seriously, starting to run ultra marathons and really like pushing the boundaries and realizing I like to work out. And so all those things where like I was realizing I like to work out, eat well, feel good, taking my job more seriously and be productive and be intellectually curious.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like just being more healthy in general was uh, doing a lot of good. So what, what did it, where did it go from there?
1: Yeah. One thing that wasn't adding at all to any of that was a couple drinks a night or like five drinks on the weekends or more. And uh, alcohol was this unproductive element in my life. And I decided as I was training for a longer race, I cut it out for one month and I felt incredible that month. And um, really from there, never looked back. It It opened up this intellectual curiosity for me. Every day at work, I felt great. During all my workouts, I felt like I wanted to accelerate and so really never looked back. And so I really came about this natural lifestyle choice where drinking was obviously an unproductive element of my life and I chose to cut it out. But then shortly into that, I really saw the positive impact that had on my life. A couple of my friends got sober or started drinking less. I saw the positive impact on their lives. At the same time, I was going to sports bars and restaurants in New York City where I lived and I still like doing all these normal social things. There were just nothing on the menu for me anywhere. And I was looking around and I was like, so many people are drinking less and like this has had such a positive impact on my life. Why are there no good options for anyone out there is just like living a modern, healthy life? And the craft beer world's incredible. We're not a soapbox company at all. Like we love craft beer. We love wine as a company. We think they're great occasions for it. There are just so many other occasions where there, there's just voids in the beverage market. And so I sought out to dig into like why making a good non-alcoholic beer, like what that entailed and started reading brewing textbooks on the weekends. And like this intellectual curiosity came over me and I was like obsessed with the idea of the positive impact it could have on people's health and fitness and giving people options to like socially just be moderately I Like, either sober people or people who just want to moderate a little bit or not drink for any reason or like be somewhere with their kids and not drink, there are so many occasions. And um, so the positive impact was clear. I did a ton of research, thought I had a great method to make better non-alcoholic beer than the traditional industrial methods and pretty much quit my job after that. Kind of crazy for like a finance guy to think he knew something about brewing. I'd never brewed a batch of beer in my life to quit a good job
0: and set out to do it was kind of crazy. Yeah, I I would say. (laughs) But uh, so you said you found a better way to make non-alcoholic beer. Um, How did that come about? Um, To take a step
1: back, non-alcoholic beer has always been made by a few, one of a few different industrialized methods either various methods of burning off alcohol like vacuum distillation and stuff like that or aggressive membrane filtration or dilution which, uh, or arrested fermentation. And all of these methods we thought really had a relatively low ceiling on the beer, beer quality. Um, so I kind of started with that baseline and dove into the textbooks trying to figure out what combination of brewing alterations could result in a fully fermented beer under 0.5%. And so that's kind of the baseline we started with, <laughs> quit my job, had never brewed a batch of beer in my life, got rejected by a bunch of people. I mean, the market, there was no market for non-alcoholic beer in the U.S. Uh,
0: well, let me ask you this. What? Okay. Yeah. There's no market. How did you have the confidence to do that? Like what, 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 what was that like? For your family, what were the conversations you and your wife were having over your super healthy meals that you're now eating? Like, wh- wh- you know what I'm saying? Like, that is yeah. that is crazy. That's not kind of crazy. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> I have to give my wife a lot of credit. She, she saw the positive impact on my life from, mm. like, cutting back my drinking. Um, and then eventually wiping it out. And over the two years, I was business planning and reading textbooks and getting so excited about the positive impact. My wife, after two years in, looked over my business plan and she was like, you have to quit your job and do this. And really, I'll also give her credit. She was the first one who, when I first said the idea, stopped in her tracks and said, you have to do this, which was pretty shocking. I mean, I'm not she's my best critic for sure but she's she's super smart my best advisor and she saw like I'd never had visions of being an entrepreneur definitely not in consumer products and I it wasn't like I had 40 ideas and chose one like I've had one idea ever Hmm. and she saw that excitement and she was like you have to do this like this is an impact where you could potentially touch the lives of tens of millions of people and you have to quit your job and do it and so Really didn't sleep for two nights and quit my job a couple of days later.
0: You know, for for a lot of people, that is something they dream about doing, especially <laughs> you know, a lot, lot later in life th- than that even. But, you know, they've been wanting to for years to be able to make that decision pretty pretty young. You know, what, what were, I mean, did you guys have to talk about like, hey, you know, there's a chance, you know, th- I'm not going to be making this money for a certain amount of time or ever again at at this rate, you know what I mean? That's like, there's really practical things that a marriage has to discuss when making a decision like that. Was that difficult for you guys or? or Yeah.
1: And it was a very clear path towards, uh, like three years of no paychecks probably. Mm -hmm. And so we budgeted out for that and, um, thought through what that could look like. And we're really intentional about the way we started to live after that. Um, and she's an incredible partner in all those decisions. And equally as much of a chance, really, uh, uh, John Walker, our co-founder and head brewer, he made a similar risk. I mean, I talked to 200 people, 200 brewers, all the contract brewers had said no at this point. Uh, I was still and, looking. And what,
0: what did you do? Did you just email him? Did you call him? Like, what did that yeah. look like? And how long of a process is that? Because 200 a long... rejections is... is uh... Life crushing. It was pretty dark. I
1: was sitting in a home office. I had this polished up business plan. I had dots all over the map of contract brewers I was going to potentially work with. Then I started putting up job ads and commenting in message boards and going to conferences and trying to talk to brewers. And uh, the non-alcoholic beer market at this point hadn't seen any new products for 25 or 30 years. The last introduction I think had been O'Doul's in 1992. And so all the other brands out there had been around since from the 70s, 80s and rebranded, but still old brands. And um, the category hadn't grown in um, over 15 years. So brewers, rightfully so, were giving me good advice. Like, there's no interest here. I'd save your money. Go back into finance. Like, I'm not interested. There's no market here. But in Europe and other places, there is a very lively beer market for non-alcoholic beer. It's fifteen percent in Germany of the beer market, and I I had this conviction that it was really like it really fits well with the modern healthy lifestyle, and yeah. So I had all the dots all over the map to visit contract brewers. Everyone said no, so canceled that trip, and then started talking <laughs> to different brewers and got rejected by two hundred people. And John reached out, probably the best resume, most widely accomplished person I talked to the whole time, had won big time brewing awards on the national and international scale. And I basically picked up the phone. And I was like, please just don't say no right off the bat. Please think about it for the weekend. And then I led into it and he was like, okay, and listened to it. And he was like, okay, have a nice weekend. And he wrote me an email on Monday that was like, you know, I was definitely going to say no. Dot, dot, dot. And he's like, I'm in. Like, the innovation challenge, the positive impact. Yeah. And, like, John just was the only person who saw that whole picture. And uh, so I flew down to Santa Fe, met John, hung out with him.
0: And that was here where he was living at the time. Really. Yeah.
1: And he was working at uh, Second Street Brewery. They'd won a bunch of awards, making really good quality beer in Santa Fe. And uh, he picked up his family, and they made the decision to move across the country to Connecticut also. So... Equally as crazy decision on John's part, and uh,
0: was his brewery upset
1: with you? Uh, no, I I've met them and they're super nice people, uh, great people. It's just the right time in John's life, and um, yeah, the two of us, two guys who barely knew each other, started homebrewing in an empty warehouse in Connecticut for the next like nine months or so.
0: So <laughs> yeah, you know, it, with so many people doubting it and such an uphill battle did doubt ever creep in to you?
1: Um, Maybe once or twice. I mean, fundraising was equally as hard and we were getting to the point where I really had to make some long-term financial decisions and like sign leases and put my own name to things. Um, At any point where I doubt and it might have been once or twice, my wife was like so firmly on
0: the other side of that. Um, so on the other side of doubt saying, yeah, she's,
1: she's always my best. I'm a wildly optimistic and fast moving person. And so she's always a great governor and voice of critical thinking for me on the other side of that. Whenever there's doubt, she's there to really kick me in the butt and keep me moving. So it's been awesome.
0: (laughs) You know, people say, you know, you like you just said, um, signing the lease and putting your name to things that were going to, you know, be contractually tie you for, for a certain amount of time. Did did that ever feel ridiculous to you when you had this big empty warehouse that we're sitting in now and there was, you know, a couple of Gatorade coolers that you were brewing beer in? Did you ever look around and think, what have I done?
1: <laughs> uh, not really. I mean, once we got to work, like John was so incredibly talented and just like dove right into the scientific method with the research we'd done and we just got to work I mean and there's we've honestly been so busy that there's so few times for real reflection I mean just always running at full speed and uh it's really fun like this last Sunday we did a planning day together and just like looking back and trying to think about what the future looks like it's uh it's hard to Think about how we got to this point already. But uh, very few moments of doubt before we went live commercially. We had these big tanks in the brewery. Uh, like a good amount of capacity. The brewery can make 10 or 12,000 barrels of beer a year. And uh, John was like, so who's going to sell all this beer? And there was three of us. Uh, like we thought the education hurdle was going to be a lot higher than it was. And uh, we really... As soon as we went out to market and started showing up at the finish lines of races. And I was at the finish line of 65 races that summer just talking to people at the finish line and giving them a cold beer. The community really grew on its own. Um, It's Mm -hmm. incredible. Like through the races and the emails and the people we've been so fortunate to meet in our community. I mean, you talk to our ambassador team every day. They are awesome people and like send us such great cool stuff on instagram wherever they are in the world yeah it's like it's been so cool right from day one and like it's like forget who's going to sell the beer it's like it's been so far beyond sales right from the start it's all the community is so great and uh so all of a sudden we turned around in 10 months we're out of capacity already and so i had to start planning
0: Man, so you say being at the finish line of these races, you know, that's not uncommon. Beer to be at the finish line of an event, especially something athletic. But what is uncommon is to be a non-alcoholic beer and also to be called Athletic Brewing. What what led you to this name because it obviously it obviously catches people's attention.
1: Yeah, and uh we So athletic is, non-alcoholic beer has always been such a penalty box beverage. And whenever you drink non-alcoholic beer previously, it's always been about why you can't fully participate in that moment. And Mm -hmm. that drove me nuts. Like I was a normal, healthy person at a race or like I just finished a Spartan race and there's nothing at the finish line for me. Like all my friends are having a beer or I'm at a sports bar or at a wedding and like all these reasons why you can't participate in that moment and we wanted athletic is all about that positive, aspirational, healthy lifestyle. And like when someone asks you what you're drinking, you can say athletic with confidence and pride and be like, I'm making a healthy choice. I'm excited about this beer tastes incredible. I'm waking up for a run tomorrow morning. I'm going to see my kids later on. I have to drive home. Mm -hmm. I have a work meeting, whatever. Like athletic is a positive reason to be excited
0: about. Absolutely. So. You know, it's, I grew up, my dad, he tells this story a lot. He drank for years and and, and decided to quit when my mother became pregnant with me. And he's had an O'Douls, you know, he, there was always O'Douls in the fridge and nothing against him, but there was always this um, level of, of not shame, but he, he would be made fun of by his friends when we'd go mm-hmm. camping and they'd have beer and he wouldn't. And, Thankfully, I'm glad he was, you know, man enough to just stand up and not worry about it, but there was a stigma. Even as a kid, I could just totally recognize, oh, this is lesser than, or this is missing out, like you just said, but when people hold one of these cans up, I I really don't think they're compromising on taste, of course, or on anything else because what it says about them is that not only am I drinking less out of health, I'm... I'm an athlete now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And everyone's athletic in some regard. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone from any sort of thing. And it could be anything from your Ben Hoffman and your winning Ironman races to you're great at video games or like anything. Or you are the most mindful yogi out there. And it's like there's like we're just psyched about like that feel good mindset that you said. Definitely.
0: So – Besides, you know, John jumping on board, you know, that was huge. Was there any sort of experience early on that was you would consider a big break that gave you confidence to to push through to the next obstacle?
1: Kind of everything's a big break. I mean, (laughs) every single person who's walked through that door, like every single one of our ambassadors who's reached out and said something nice at a time when it's like, just like worked ragged to the bone and it's like someone hits you with the nicest message and it like makes your day. Or there are all those moments at the races where like you just hang out with people in the community and it's great. Yeah, everything that's happened has been lucky. We have incredible distribution partners in our backyard. John and I used to hand bottle beer in his garage uh, during construction and I'd take that to like Whole Foods and stuff. And like when that Whole Foods regional buyer said, he was like, this is great. I get it. Like, I'll give you a shot. Like, that's an incredible break. Really, yeah, every team member who's walked through that door. I mean, there's so many lucky breaks out there for sure.
0: Now, obviously, this is what you were shooting for, su- success, but does it surprise you, the number of people that respond so positively to what you're doing?
1: I mean, it's, it's really humbling It's and overwhelmingly awesome. I mean, it uh, it's definitely surprised me how awesome – the outflow is from our community and just like how incredible our ambassador team is and like the people we organically are getting in touch with just because athletic is the lifestyle they already live. And like, Mm -hmm. boom, now there's a product for me. And there've been so many like professional athletes who reach out and say that too, or like a famous singer songwriter reached out last night and like, There are people from all walks of life who like never really before felt included and are so excited about that. And, uh, yeah, I think we knew, we thought there might be a big education hurdle, but we knew, so 50% of adults don't drink or have 0.1 drinks or less per week. And so beer marketing would have you think that 95% of people had like a drink a day, um, where 80% 80% of adults have six drinks or less per week. So a lot of those people who have six drinks also might have them all in one one evening, you know. And so it's really a very small percentage of the population that really drinks heavily. And so we knew there was this huge percentage of adults who were at restaurants all over the place, were at barbecues, were having dinner with their kids at night, anything at the finish lines of races. And the beer world was totally missing them. And like they didn't feel included at that moment. And we really wanted to be the beer for those people, providing just a beer that they don't have to make any compromises for.
0: Absolutely. You guys are definitely doing this without compromise.
1: (laughs) Well, that's totally a testament to John, Ross, and our team. I mean... John is incredibly talented and is a great chef, beer taster, and recipe creator. Mm-hmm. And then Russ, who oversees our quality department, is incredibly talented as well. Um and really everyone on our brewing team and creating innovative recipes and uh right down the quality chain. So
0: what's been one of the most surprising realizations for you with starting a business after quitting a, a stable career?
1: Yeah. And uh so I came from one of the biggest hedge funds in the world and it was very stable and very demanding, but very stable. Like, like um, you could
0: have just stayed there your whole life.
1: For sure. And been, I thought been fine. for sure the next 20 years were there. And uh, at big companies, everything just runs and you do your job and it's like, oh, like it must be, must be easy to run things. It is crazy how much every, something goes wrong every day and like every, every day something's going wrong. And It's so funny. Like John and I look back and we're like, I can't believe I was even like stressed about that a month ago. Like this we're dealing with today is so much worse than that. (laughs) Like, and like it used, it could be anything like all equipment breaks every day. Like the chiller blows up and floods the parking lot and you have to sit, sit next to it in a lawn chair for 10 hours or forklift gets stuck on a truck happened yesterday or it's Something mechanical or human goes wrong all the time, and you just have to be ready for those obstacles. Mm-hmm. And really, the way to get better is just running right at that obstacle. And our team gets stronger. We learn something about the brewery every day, and it's fun. <laughs> it's part of a uh, part of a small business, and especially a craft business. Uh, we make delicate craft products, and it takes a full team to get them at the door.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm sure you are driving home some nights, looking in your rearview mirror of of all the uh, t- towards all the fires that you didn't get to put out that day, and you just got to let them burn till the morning.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's you got to know when to pull the plug and hang out with your family. And it's uh, work life balance is hugely important. And there's always going to be more to do, and uh, sleep and family and team are important. So family always comes first.
0: Are you happy with the decision you've made so far?
1: a hundred percent. I honestly haven't ever doubted it or questioned it for like a single minute. And like, not really? even has it ever crossed my head, which I'm sure seems crazy, but it's. It does. I would have never, in my prior life, I would have, I would have never ever thought it was possible to like what you do for a living or like, like going to work. And I've been in a situation where like your Mondays are so bad that your Sundays are terrible and, uh, or even like your Saturday nights, even. And, um,
0: we we call them the Sunday Scaries at my house. Yeah, <laughs> They're for like sure. oh god, Sunday's coming around and terrified. Yeah, and I
1: couldn't have ever imagined a point where I'm like, this Monday I was getting off the exit on the highway to pull up to the brewery, and I was so excited to get there, and like just been running through things in my mind the whole drive, and I was like, gotta get there, gotta get
0: there, gotta get there. <laughs> Never Man. would have thought that was possible. That, so. that did not happen at the hedge fund. Yeah, then. yeah really excited. So if, could you just maybe share just a few words uh, with, with somebody uh, who was in your position where you were before, you know, maybe, maybe they have more responsibility, maybe have, they have kids or they've been there even longer, three, four times as long as you, or maybe they don't necessarily have an idea that they're obsessed with, like you were about athletic, you know, maybe they have a list of ideas. What What kind of advice would you share with someone who's in that position, having been there and now having... Taking that step of faith out of it.
1: Uh, Coming at it from two different approaches where if you're going to start something, um, make sure you are really excited about it. Like enough to do the accounting on Friday night at 10 PM and wake up at 3 AM on Saturday morning and start again. And like, you have to be so excited because something goes wrong every day and you will burn out if it's not like a true authentic passion and you have to know what where that passion is going to hit its impact. And like whose life, um, I love a quote uh, by Sa- uh, Sam Calgione, the founder of Dogfish. Uh, it's something along the lines of, when you're going into business, you have to think about your, your ultimate business's impact on the world. And he uses the example of Edison and the light bulb. And it wasn't that he sought to make the light bulb for this cool mechanical innovation. It was his vision of the world that was previously dark now covered in light. So I think you really have to be super excited about the passion and the impact you're gonna have. But if you are currently out there unhappy in your job and don't have that idea that's like a lighthouse in the storm, I think the answer is, there are possibilities out there and it is possible to be happy in what you do and just seek that impact you want to have and like be really, um, intentional about the team you're joining and the people you work with. And it doesn't need to be a business you found, but you can build something with a great team. So,
0: yeah. Wow. Well, Bill, I, I'd love to go through some rapid fire. Yeah. We ride, 100%. We, yeah. We wind this thing up and yeah, it right, doesn't have to be one away. word just, you know, brief but you can you expound if you need to what are you most curious about right now outside of business wow um you don't have time to think about that
1: (laughs) some something that go down the rabbit hole a lot is this is out there but space space travel the beginning of time like the big bang can obviously be the beginning and Mm -hmm. are we in a simulation I don't know. A lot of fun rabbit holes and podcasts and stuff out there
0: on that stuff. I'm sure you just have unlimited amount of time to think about that stuff.
1: <laughs> I The amount of time I spend in the car and I spend a ton of time at events and in trade that listen to a ton of books, audibles, mm-hmm. got to be the best thing out there.
0: And that's probably good for you as a leader, first of all, as a break and also to stimulate the mind, creativity, curiosity. And, you know, as, as a business leader, that's got to be a quality
1: just trying to keep up with our team. I mean, we have so many smart, <laughs> well rounded people on our roster. I need to shock and off from time to time. There
0: you go. Drop, drop a fact that just blows people's minds. The amount of
1: people you meet and talk to as well. Kinda.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. But, uh, you know, sorry, these are rapid fire. My apologies. <laughs> what is your proudest achievement outside of building athletic?
1: Um, I think, honestly, like getting sober and being particular, like, totally sober for almost 7 years now is my proudest achievement um and yeah i think think that i mean it's such been such a positive decision and move on my life and the discipline to hold on to that it's uh yeah there aren't many things like outwardly i brag about but i'm very proud about my sobriety and like getting over
0: that hill and stuff so something to be proud about for sure yeah it's probably the greatest gift my dad gave to me was being sober as and, a father
1: and I think about like impact on my life and uh, my relationship with my wife and my unborn children and things. So mm-hmm. it's uh, really psyched about that decision, I'd say.
0: That's awesome. Oh, man. What is your biggest goal that you haven't yet achieved?
1: Um, so it, my goals are all around the positive impact on our community's health and activity and then our impact on their communities as well. So they're not only the 15 million Americans who suffer from alcohol use disorder, there are tens of millions of people in addition to them who either struggle with alcohol, could be improved in health and activity through drinking less, and athletic is there for them 100%. Also, through our Two for the Trails program, we want to have a huge, uncomfortably big impact over the next few years. And it's I think it's incredible. Like, small checks go huge into local municipalities, but like... The Maine Hudson Trails Program, for example, that we just helped out a couple of weeks ago, like a twenty thousand dollar check to that program went so far and oh, yeah. gets helps get thousands of kids out on this one hundred and eighty mile trail network in Maine, and that's only one of the recipients we helped out this year out of like eight. Mm-hmm. And then next year, planning to do like ten times as much business as a company, it's just going to be that much bigger every year. So really excited to take recommendations from our community to really do some good trail work in people's backyard.
0: You know, and as this world just becomes more and more urbanized, those places are going to become more and more precious. Yeah. So protecting them is going to be just that much more important. So
1: yeah, we only get one shot and it's, yeah. nothing gets me more excited when I see the pictures of you coming out of the woods or cleaning up your block on the weekend with a full <laughs> trash bag or truck of garbage.
0: The baby, my wife was wearing the baby. She was picking yeah. it up. I was just holding the bag, but yeah. It's awesome. It's heroic. So last question. How do you live without compromise? Yeah,
1: it's just kind of no excuses philosophy. I mean, there's like, you only get one shot at this life, and to like waste any years or weeks or months is just, it's just like a total waste. I mean, we only get one trip around this life and we only get one planet, and I want to make my impact and experience as big as I can. So, Just try to run full speed as much as I can and enjoy it as much as I can. Um, So either if that's through our team here at Athletic, our community, my own personal high health, adventures, anything. So yeah, just trying to help people have a positive impact and build our community together.
0: Well, you have done that and you will continue to. You're well on your way to achieving that. So. Bill, thanks for joining us. Uh, You know, this is obviously your podcast, but yeah, thanks for being on.
1: Yeah, no, thanks for having me and thank you to our community. Uh, We love you all and uh, excited for the years
0: ahead. Thank you. Absolutely. It's going to be an awesome year.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Mason.
0: Yes, sir. Without Compromise is a production of Athletic Brewing Company. To learn more about our award-winning non-alcoholic craft beer, go to athleticbrewing.com. There you can also find info on our news and events, as well as how to get plugged in to the larger Athletic Brewing community. And lastly, we wanted to thank you so much for listening. Please share with this with someone you know, as well as leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. And we'll see you in a couple weeks.